0: Broadcasting live from sunny South Florida, this is KMA Talk Radio. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of fine cigars. Your KMA crew, the Italian scallion, Paul DeGracco, Alex Tavella, a.k.a. The Goat,
1: and always telling it like it is, Honest Abe. I like to smoke them like the Churchill, like junk.
2: Shake my
0: big cigar. My cigar. Good morning to all our loyal listeners, libertarians, and lovers of the leaf. I'm your host, Honest Abe, and we are broadcasting live from Sunny South Florida this week's episode number 451 of KMA Talk Radio. And as always, I am joined with one of my trusty cohorts, our part time producer, Paul DeGracco, and the man they call the goat, Alex Tavala.
3: Morning, sir. Did did we look at that meeting this week? Did we not what?
0: We had a live meeting this week, didn't we? Oh
3: yeah, Yeah. we did.
0: We had a KMA meeting this week, right?
3: Yeah, real one. We did. Did
0: did we not discuss banter during the meeting?
2: Did we? We didn't actually. I
0: I guess you would actually submit an outline with nothing on there. There's blank dots.
2: I, you know what? That's a mistake.
3: I, you know, I make mistakes. I don't think Banter came up once. That's funny. Usually it does. Usually it's like the first thing. Well, usually
2: out. whatever we're talking about, I put in there. And I, I think we were just talking about.
3: Uh, Do you actually look at your own outline
2: before you it. submit it? I Do don't submit it. Or... It's a live document. Okay. It's a live you document. Look that's live all you look it over you finish
0: it? Whatever you want to call it. it? Depends on the day. Yeah.
2: So what are we going to talk about? Why are you so flowery today, Abe? Are you going somewhere after this? Yep. It's fancy. Fine. Fancy. Yep. Yeah.
3: <laughs> he looks so Very dressed
2: fancy. up. I An, An homage to the,
3: uh, to the luau. I'm trying to... Yeah, it's almost a little luau-y. It's like It's like uh, modern yeah. luau. I guess there's some floral pattern in it. Why is Kevin boycotting you? Uh, who knows? Who knows? He had a package stolen, I believe. He did have a package stolen. He did have a package oh, how's stolen. How's that your fault? No, it's he, not. We Oof, didn't, say, he didn't say it was. Um, and you know, it's funny that Kevin should say that, because oddly, um, him and the whole... So, had a whole Philly crew come down, about six guys, and um, and Kevin and another guy got here first. So, we all hung out here Wednesday night, and I left because, you know, had to work and stuff. And oddly... Kevin became uh, best friends with the anti-goat just hanging out. So maybe they've formed some, you know. Oh, no. And when you do that, packages suddenly go missing. So, you know, that's that's what happens.
2: Know who you're messing with.
0: Yes. Yes. Speaking of the anti-goat, he's been pretty quiet post-Great Smoke.
3: He might still be recovering. Did he ever make it back? I don't know. He made it back and disappeared a few times. I don't know what he oh, was Oh, really? Up to. Oh yeah, he was uh he was roaming the South Florida wilderness doing something.
2: Yeah, you're right. I, I saw that. He was here for a little while longer. I I got to meet him for the first time at the dinner.
3: I was He showed back. up at the dinner at about 9:45. Almost like that guy who showed up to the Great Smoke at 4:45. Yeah. <laughs> better late than never <laughs> fashionably late as they say yeah so post tgs uh, i said- we're about there right what was that i said we're about there post tgs right like like finishing up stuff like yeah we're close
0: monday tuesday wednesday we should be yeah. pretty much got everything teed and dotted i guess we're close Still were you, reaching out to the virtual like, winners. Like I got some more stuff? guys to reach out to.
3: So if Put you want a prize, back, it, inventory. You know, if Go you ahead. want a
0: prize at the Great Smoke, um, and you were virtual, we sent out emails. So check your emails. Um, there's still two more people I gotta get a hold of. Um, which I'll do right after the show. Uh, Kevin being one. Kevin Corblaze and William Brockett. So I'll we'll send you out an email right after the show. But um, yeah, it's winding down and 2023 is already up in the works. We actually um, have all our limited releases lined up for 2023 and two lined up for 2024. So,
3: how do you like that?
0: Wow. Those are, those are the ones you got to start like earliest on, you know, because that really takes
3: time. So, I really, when I bring up chance. your
2: post from this morning,
3: <clears throat> whose post? My post? Abe's. What's Abe's post?
2: i'll show you hold on brandy i
3: had jeans these for jeans
2: old. for a while now brandy just noticed this message on the inside of the seam of my zipper hilarious never knew it was there brilliant that's the whole thing with lucky brand jeans
0: i never noticed it's it.
2: like been a thing Ever. forever yeah
0: my wife's looking at me i'm walking the back she's like, lucky you lucky me i didn't get it It's like no your zipper lucky
2: you. what the hell are you talking about yeah
0: <laughs> so yeah Pretty jeans, but I guess people knew it. I never noticed it.
2: I never knew it either. Yeah, it's been a thing for a long time. They make great jeans, man. I've I've had them for years. I've probably had them since high school. Comfy, lucky brand jeans, yeah. And they make the ones with that ela- with elastic in the jean, so you get a little stretch yeah. in there. Yeah. That's what I-, I can't go back to regular jeans anymore. I can't. You know, I always have to bad. look to make sure there's some spandex.
0: I can't.
2: Jeans even are hard. Well, now like, you'll have, give it a couple months. You'll be able six to months, another fat joke. Six months, we'll be back with the fat jokes. <laughs> I've already gained some weight back.
0: It's, it's pro- Losing weight is not the problem. It's I keep finding it.
2: Right. Yeah. Exactly. That's the problem. Exactly. Right. And finding time. You know, I used to. I used to go when I was running, which was when I, you know, I stopped when I first moved into my other house. So it's got to be four or five years ago now. But when I I would like to run at night, so the kids go to bed. It's dark. I loved it. I would go running at night. But now living out here in the wilderness, you can't go outside, let alone run at night. The bugs are so insane mm. since it's been warm here again.
3: So, I stand out. I go dryer outside. In your pocket.
2: Yeah, will that keep them away? Yeah. Put what in your pocket? I think dryer sheets. Yeah,
3: Brandy does that for yeah. Halloween with the kids. Yeah, we should do that for fishing,
2: and it works. Oh, dryer I'll try that out.
3: You're
2: not gonna do it. I'm not gonna run. I Maybe I'll go see outside with swarm of, of
0: mosquitoes picking Paula by his shirt and flying away. <laughs> away.
2: <laughs> listen, when we have you know, we're pretty close with our neighbors across the street. So it's one of those things that like after dinner we all walk outside. You just and moved in. How Vikings
0: can you be together. close with your neighbors across the street? We've, I'm, I'm just saying like we have like a thing here. I'm not close with anybody in my community.
2: I know, but you're antisocial. I'm a very, i know every single house on my block now. I know I'm every not
0: antisocial. I just don't need to know my neighbors.
2: I like to know them. I don't have to be friends with them, but I like to know who they are. You just so that when moved the, when the that. news How crews come close over, close with your neighbors already across the street.
0: I'm just saying we have a thing in golf
2: cart already. So. I mean, it's close. Like you
0: wake <laughs> up in the morning and get You know, walk outside and wave, and they wave back. Is that close?
2: Yeah, well, and our kids play together. So, like, after dinner, we go outside. The kids play.
0: Oh, that's close. Have they been over to your house for dinner yet? I don't want them inside. Oh, you're that close. (laughs)
3: This guy is so weird. I mean, that's close enough. That's, you know, it's about as close as you want them. Neighbors steal packages. Kevin, you're right. Neighbors (laughs) do steal packages. Neighbors do steal (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that poor guy. Have you
2: ever had a package stolen off your... Have you ever stolen a had a package stolen off your porch?
3: I don't know because I'm smart deliver. and I send them all to smoke in. So yep. I know that I send, all mine to,
2: I send everything here to the office. Everything. I I have not in my last two homes, but in my home before that I did. Somebody walked in. I had one of those like townhouses that has like a little gate around it for a patio and we got uh what the hell was it? It was clothes. It was like dress clothes and they were delivered and somebody you saw it on the camera. Somebody just walked in, some guy from the neighborhood, don't know who he is, showed it to the cops. They don't care. Walks in, grabs it. I mean, what are they going to do? Run a serial database on who this guy is? Never saw him again. He just walked in, picked up the package, and walked right out like he owned the place. I'm with you,
0: Tom. I don't want to have major. Con- I work all day. I get home. I don't want neighbors pulling me over and having conversations. Whatever. And and you know they're weird in my neighborhood. Like when you're driving by and they're walking, like they want to wave to you. Why are you waving? At What's them?
2: wrong with waving? I, I don't God, know you. You're so antisocial. Wait, on. I wave don't to know everybody. You.
0: Do you wave? Do you wave at random people in the public's parking lot?
2: Yes. Uh, yeah. No, not in the public's parking lot. What's the difference? Unless I they don't know you. Just unless you they in let
0: my me. Community, you're you're the 584th house in my community, and you're going to wave at me as I'm driving by. It's
2: weird. <laughs> when I'm on the golf cart, I wave to every. The golf cart to golf cart, especially we always wave. Like you wave at each. Well, other. you have a bond you gotta, there. It's like the your, stupid your golf thing with carters.
3: the jeeps, like the jeep people. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I hate that, the whole Jeep thing, but I'm kind of into it with the golf
3: cart. So you hate the Jeep thing, but you are into the miniature version of the golf cart. Yeah, because it's in my neighborhood. I'm not
2: like on the street in the middle of nowhere, like where I don't live and have somebody wave at me in the damn Jeep. I hate that whole, I don't know. It just drives me nuts. But I will wave uh, in the golf cart to other people in the golf cart in the community. Why not? They're your
3: neighbors. Hey, how you doing? They, they might, first of all, time out. They might, okay, we're talking about, like, South Florida. We're talking about giant yeah. complexes. They're driving past you in a golf cart, which means they don't live uh-huh. anywhere close in proximity to your house. So, technically, just because they live in the same development doesn't this make is them my a point. This is my point. I mean, they're all strangers, man. And it's really
0: funny because my wife's the complete opposite. Like, my wife knows, like, everybody in the neighborhood, talks to everybody in the neighborhood. And they're all like, you know, what's the deal with your husband?
2: You know, <laughs> I just don't need to talk to you. Do you, you man. ever wave to your neighbor? If you come home from work and you see your neighbor, like sitting outside or like working on the garden, I don't you, like, know wave any of it? my
0: neighbors. Like, I couldn't tell you what the neighbors to the left of me look like, even. I mean, I've seen them, whatever. The neighbors to the right of me, I could recognize because their daughter babysitted for us for a while, but outside of them. I can barely recognize any neighbors in my. And do
2: you say hi to them? Like, do you if you see them outside? You're like, hey, give them a nice wave.
0: Like if I'm driving.
2: No, like you're getting out of your car and you see them outside
3: getting. If out of If we their make
2: car. eye contact, I give them the nod. Hey,
0: what's up?
3: Wow. Yeah, I. I mean, I don't a want open the door to a conversation, but, bro. I gotta, do, I gotta do the nod a lot. Yeah, the the nod, up what's upstairs. up? But, yeah, I, I don't. I don't. I, you know, and I lived in an I apartment. I get do you a, a bill. Ragone? your yeah, I don't. I don't. I don't. Huh? No. <laughs> you know your neighbors? <laughs> Did you see? Do a bill? Rang go? Yeah. Yeah. I don't. I don't. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I keep it moving. No, I don't. I don't like stop and
2: like have a conversation I mean, I with them. One but... of them. Two of them. Just who they are. I don't know. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. know. I, we're different. We're different people. I just like to say hi to people. I don't Paul, know. I went over, introduced Paul, myself to not, all the people moving in. Paul,
3: you're not even. Now that's fucking people. odd. That's fucking odd. What do you say? If I'm moved, <laughs> I see them outside, if I'm moving inside, like, I'm I go fucking over. moving today. It's a miserable experience. I don't need you to come over and start. Hey, welcome to the neighborhood. Fuck you. Go leave me alone. I'm trying to move in. Hey, what did you we're bring him? Like see. a pie or something too? Dave says Dave gift. says I'm the weird one, but Paul calls his neighbors
0: close. And doesn't even want them in her house. I'm not having them in my no. house. What are you close? Oh, you I wave mean, at them? I would the, the kids play together in the middle of the street. That makes you
2: close. I was being nice in case maybe they're watching. I don't know.
0: Yeah, they they're watching, watching KMA. They like, they give a shit what you they do. They
2: know the show. They know about the show. You think you think everybody on my block doesn't know about KMA?
3: But wait, you really go like, like, like somebody's moving in across the street, and you have to like go over there not
2: at the time that they're moving in but like Paul you know when i would. see them out and about Paul's hey, welcome guy that, to
0: the, neighborhood. Paul's the guy that knocks on their door with a pie hey welcome to the
2: neighborhood right i see i you know what's funny stephanie and i had this argument when our neighbors across the street moved in who we had met a couple times before at events when they were moving in i was like maybe we should bring them something maybe you could bake them like cookies or something she's like why would i why we don't do that yeah. i'm like that's the nice thing to do
0: if Isn't you showed up at my doorstep with a pie,
3: I just slowly close the door on you. <laughs> I, mean, it's, I don't know. A little fucking weird to me. I don't need your I mean, do people do that? Paul does.
2: Yeah. I mean, no, I, I, no, I've had people bring me wine. I had I had neighbors bring me wine. I had neighbor, like our old our old house when the new neighbors moved in, we brought them a bottle of wine and introduced ourselves. So Stephanie if you was bought me a it. bottle of
0: wine, if you bought me a bottle of wine, I would slowly grab it for you and then slowly close the door on you. <laughs>
2: Well, that's, that's kind of what happened. No, no, and, then, and then and then they gave us I'm a gift back.
0: Other people's food that they've cooked in the kitchen. I have no idea who they are with their cats and their stuff up on county. No, no, do not eating
2: your pot. But that's not true. I don't point. like eating I don't like eating baked goods from people I don't personally know. That's actually very true. Because I, I always think about that. Like there's like cat hair or dog hair or like I don't You've know what kind it. of house they keep.
3: I've
0: walked down people's houses and their cats are up on the counter while they're making dinner.
3: Yeah. I, like yeah, I don't like that. Yeah. I mean, I don't know.
0: These are the same people that probably take the, the gravy from pasta sauce and like, here, here you go, here you go, kitty. And they're licking the spoon and then they put it back in the pot and stirring it.
2: No, I well, Would you ever, did you, when you had a dog, did you ever let your dog lick your ice cream? Yeah,
0: that's me, and I'm not serving that ice cream to anybody else. I don't got a problem true, with that.
3: True,
0: I'm just okay. My dog. Sometimes brought, I don't have a choice. My dog's mouth is probably cleaner it. than all my kids' mouths, whatever they. Especially Asher. God knows that guy puts everything in his mouth. <laughs>
3: <laughs> uh,
2: yeah. Oh, I see, look. Here's Casey. Not proof, I don't know if that's making proof in point. point. For me or not. He just proved our yeah. point about weird
0: people in your neighborhood. There you go. Just proved my point.
2: Oh, man. No, no, Coop. I don't like doing community trips because then everybody – when people – yeah, especially first-timers to Disney World, they always want us to, like, help plan their trip. And I I don't – I'll talk to them about it, but I don't want to be there with you because I know what to avoid. I don't want to wait on lines for things I don't care about.
3: Yeah, I don't like community trips. I'm I'm against against community trips, community dinners – And even community ordering lunch. Did you see Chris Herniak's comment? Oh Jesus Christ! (laughs) Don't put that up. (laughs) Oh my God! Yeah, you want me to? No, no, I can't put that up. (sighs) Yeah, no, no community dinner. (laughs) No, no community ordering out.
2: Let me ask you a question, Abe. Does your community do like events? Like we, like every week, there's a new event here. Like Like we do wine tasting events. Does your wife go to them Hell with the kids? No. Oh wow! All right, we we do all and that they, stuff. They're, getting, going a, they're going to they're going to the know, dog show this morning. Getting
0: to know your neighbors only opens up interaction that you don't want. You know when there's an like issue when they ring the doorbell and they go and they go knocking on people's doors to talk to you about it. They come to my door and goes, mm, "We'll skip that one. Let's go to the next one." You know, <laughs> oh, I it like takes that. you out of the loop of all that crap. That comes out of living in a community i mean yeah there's some good stuff but i just rather miss out on all of it
2: i i don't know the kids like this stuff that they do here they do like parties for next week every day next week there's an event for the kids for spring break you know what i
0: do i take them to a park where there's a bunch of strangers they play they interact they go home we don't know anybody it's great
2: yeah they're at that point too like if you brought your kids there they just run off and go to the playground and you can sit down and Yep. chill right like my kids i still have to like kind of be on top of them a little bit or or axel every five minutes daddy can you play with me what do like you there's 40 kids yeah, here go play months, with them
0: i'll be as big as you <laughs>
2: uh, well anyway i guess i'm a neighborhood guy it's a beautiful day in the neighborhood yeah why not i moved into a neighborhood like this i should embrace it like well. what it's it's a very communal, family friendly, everybody's pals. There's events, wine tasting, burger tasting. Know. I cigars. need to do some research
3: because I feel like, maybe, like everybody's different. probably like, oh, here goes this fucking guy again. Oh, how you
2: doing? No, it's not me. I don't put oh, any of it together, dude. Uh, hey, yeah. I'll send you our community newsletter. I'll 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 forward Your it. Community to you. newsletter. Yeah, every week we get a newsletter. It's called What's Sprouting? Because we have a farm on the <laughs>
3: property as well.
2: <laughs> you have a farm <laughs> there's a there's a this 5 looks acre farm like here it's a kind
3: of fucking communist commune <laughs> it's a communist commune, it'd <laughs> be man. communist camp you guys are all out in the fields farming together
2: no we don't farm together there's a 5 acre farm there's two two full time farmers and every month you get a crop share every house gets a crop oh, share are totally you grow this is totally awesome yeah. This is weird. It, it's two full-time... They commented. hire farm, farmers. It's not... Huh? We don't do it. Like, it's not like we're out there in the field. And what do you do? What You get a crop you, share from the farm? Yeah, so every month we have a set date. It's all, like, on this app called... So the have they argued about what harvest. they're going to plant
0: each season yet?
2: No, it's up to the farmers completely. But that you can choose what you want from the crop share. It's not a lot of food, but, like, we get, like, a... This month we got a big... A big bag of mixed greens we got a big thing of kale we got a couple habanero peppers we got a bunch of squash
3: a couple of eggplants keep, uh, keep and a bunch eggplants of plum and tomatoes the
0: and start a bonfire with the
3: rest See, this is how it <laughs> starts. next thing you know it's communal showers and communal odd churches pop up Dude, on the no. and then, you know
2: there's no churches it's, that's how it's it starts. there's a separation of church and state Dave D, is this even real? Dave, it is absolutely real. Are,
0: are we are we really shocked? This is a child of a Disney cult. Did you think he'd prefer to live like in any other community? I mean, the only thing he's missing his community is Mickey Mouse, and he'd be like living in Disney
3: World. I just feel like- Well, that's not true. This. Mickey Mouse was here for the Christmas party on Netflix in like five years. <laughs> you know, Wild country, or you know, <laughs> I'm five minutes down the road from Abe, maybe eight. It's not like you're far enough. Okay, I've been to Abe's house. There's no communal farms in the area. I mean, I can I can vouch for that.
2: No, there's nothingness around his community. It's all it's all horses.
3: That's the way I like it,
0: dude. I'm telling you, <laughs> this week's comments are the funniest I've seen. Okay, you see Kevin's community newsletter. <laughs>
3: No. <laughs> Paul, Paul moved than the Florida Jonestown. <laughs> oh,
2: I shouldn't see. Uh, I should just know better than to even talk about this stuff. I'm going to forward you the, the community newsletter, Alex, because now you're going to really appreciate it.
0: I don't do you know. Guys, but all, it's called the what's Do you guys all get together like one time a month and
2: put all your key, car keys in a bowl? <laughs> no, but you know, it's funny you mentioned that. Because there, I've become uh, close with a couple of uh, kids' parents that Axel plays with, and a couple of the guys are like, "Dude, there's some, there's like an inner thing here with with the swingers," and I'm like, "What?" Yeah, he's like, "Yeah, he's like, there's," he said, "There's like five or six couples that we're all pretty damn sure
3: that they all like couple swap," and I was like, "Ben, Ben, Benny's a goddamn prophet, right? There you go." Oh
2: wow, he he is. Look at Ben. Ben always has good shit to say, though. Oh man! Anyway, let's let's get off my call. I mean, my uh, community. <laughs> well, our next
0: guest, yeah. our, our guest this week on King Talk Radio, I believe, would be a neighbor, kind of like probably Paul in the neighborhood. Let's find out. Time for our meet your maker segment. I want all of you to get up out of your chairs. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it. And stick your head out and yell, It's time to meet your maker. Good morning, Dr. Debbie Caffey.
4: Good morning, guys. I'll tell you what, it's great watching the show. I'm sitting in the back room watching the show, listening to you guys. Every neighborhood is wacky. That's all I got to say. Every-
0: Are you a neighborhood guy?
3: That's fair. Uh,
4: he's he's got to be. He's got to be. No, man. I think I'm think. i think, uh, I'm like a coyote, right? I like to piss on my property. And, and Do you know your neighbor's name to either side of your house? Actually, I do. I do. See, I live on a street with 20 houses. That's it. It's a private street, 20 houses. It's fucking hard not to know your neighbor here. I've yeah, done a good job of not knowing for like 15 years. Wow. Wow. Uh, I don't know anybody. Well, you're a busy man. Probably. Oh, and Abe's He's, community
2: is very small. Abe's community is very small compared to most communities in South Florida. So, it, yeah, it is weird that he doesn't I know just, any of them. I've
0: just perfected the vibe that I can emanate, which is like, I don't want to get to know you. People you sense know what? it; they just don't talk to
4: <laughs> I think living in South Florida, whenever, whenever there's a hurricane coming, that's when you really get to know your neighbors. When the power's out for a week and you ain't got shit to do, <laughs> you're standing outside. <laughs> that's that's when you find out who has a generator and who doesn't.
3: That is true. That is it's, true. It's the complete
0: antithesis of how I live my day life. You know, later, if I want to know everybody, yes. you know, but when I go home, that's like my time for me. I don't want to deal, interact,
4: yes, socialize. You guys are and, extremely. And, I mean, and let's be
0: face it, Paul's a perfect example. Nine out of ten, your neighbors are just going to be weird.
4: Dude. Does Paul work nine to five or is he uh you know Paul, we still don't know if Paul really works. Paul claims he works from <laughs> home, but we're not really sure.
0: I think Paul lives work, off this of his is my wife. office. Yeah, there's I, I think Paul really lives off of Stephanie and fakes like having a job so he doesn't look unmanly like to the universe.
2: Oh dude, listen, I'd be the first I'll be the first to embrace it if my wife was the sugar mama in the house. I I'd be all over that. Let's go. Okay. Life goals. You can do it any day.
4: <laughs> no, but you know what? All the neighbors know me as the cigar guy. So every Friday okay. night, every Thursday night, they're all Jonesing for a cigar. My, I get a text message. Yo, could I get a box?
0: You know oh yeah, what? that's a neighbor I'd love to know.
2: Yeah, right. yeah. I was gonna say you're you're like pushing Abe away from this idea so much. I'm
4: socializing, <laughs> right? <laughs> that's even worse. <laughs> I also I love rums, and the, and the neighbors know. I've got good rum here, so you know late at night the wife goes to bed, they start walking outside you see the golf carts going by they, you know they're hoping the lights on you <laughs>
0: you're in a 20 house block. Why do you need a golf cart
4: that's how the, that's how they roll, man. they got golf carts here. any
0: golf carts three houses over they golf do they do great.
4: they really do. Wow,
0: I got a golf cart garage. I would never own a golf cart.
4: yeah, you do. I was actually
2: going to ask you about that. You wouldn't have a golf cart. You get no, the perfect we confer- community. We for converted the
0: garage into
4: another room. Nice, nice, nice. Is
2: that what that technically is? Is that
0: like golf cart garage? Yeah, that single garage car. is a golf yeah. cart garage. That's what it's made for. I mean, you can get a car in there; it'd be tight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: you I could get like a small. You wouldn't be able to get his car in there, but you could get a regular yeah. sized car in. Yeah, you there. Can get a regular car. Shine, we have the same thing. It was designed for a golf cart. Do you have a, a golf cart, Doctor Caffey?
4: No, no, no. I I never broke oh. down, man. I you could walk this thing. Don't do Either. it, Doc. You will have not to start waving it. at people. No, 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 no. I you know what? Uh, uh, <laughs> I think I'm I'm half half. I'm I'm half uh, Abe and half Paul, but not Paul's a little extreme though. I, I don't <laughs> I don't do that. <laughs> I, I don't do that crop sharing crap. And I live I live close to the redlands. So I could do that, but I. I think it's safer to buy groceries at the fucking produce store.
3: <laughs> I agree. I don't. I don't know. Listen,
4: if somebody took a shit on the field, you know, wiped his ass with a fertilizer. leaf. And it, yeah, exactly.
3: Yeah. Corey Woodward.
0: If I had a golf cart, I'd need one for each foot. I'd drive around the neighborhood like roller skates. Whoosh,
2: whoosh. <laughs> Just so everybody knows, this isn't. I didn't like invent this thing. It's part of the community. There's a. And by the clubhouse, there's a there's a farm, there's a barn, and behind that is a is a five acre farm, and they grow fruits and That's vegetables. Great. And they, we know great. you
0: didn't, we know you didn't create it. You can't even create an outline every week. We just yeah, right. When nobody I mean, nobody was under the impression that
3: you, you Created a crop share, right? <laughs>
0: the difference is you read about it and was bragging to me I about it before it. you moved there. Oh, listen, this. Yeah, so it's cool. We get own crepes, and we get to time share crepes, and we get pineapples and pickles every month
4: <laughs> you know what's funny is they uh, are building and, an orchard as well that's how it kind of works with tobacco in honduras you, you'll have guys growing tobacco you'll have three four little factories around there and they kind of crop share you know and then every at the end of every crop season they go out there to see what they can get so see, it, it, something. This, yeah it works with tobacco i don't know if it works with fruits and vegetables it's just not uh i don't know I think it's a good thing. If you like it, Paul, do it. All right. That's all that matters. Thank you. If you're happy, do it.
2: Much, much appreciated. <laughs> These guys will never let me live it down until, until Alex wants some, uh, habanero peppers, fresh habanero peppers for whatever he's making next week. We just run to the Trader well, Joe's. They're not the same.
4: I'll, I'll tell you guys a funny story. All right. So three, four years back, we have a, an easement in the back of our property. And I figured, you know, yes, I was in Paul mode. So I, I, I <laughs> a few of my wife's friends started, you know, with their organic beds. And I'm like, you know what, that's a pretty good idea. So I cleared out this whole lot in the back. It's probably 15 feet wide by 100 feet long. I cleared it out, uh, me and a couple guys, and then we started building organic beds. I did most of the lumber work, uh, had a truck of soil brought out. 400 cubic feet. Filled them up. I think I put six or seven different organic beds. Laid them out perfect. I, I planted easy shit, right? Like carrots. Uh, uh, What do you call those little red... Uh, I forget the name now. Cherry tomatoes? Cherry tomatoes, correct. Uh, uh, uh Ravano In Spanish, it's ravano In English, it's... I, I forget the names. But I, I put three, four, five different things. Like mint. Who the hell doesn't grow mint? Oregano. It's uh, so easy to grow. Th- but You know what? For the first two, three months it was beautiful. Vivian, my wife was out there, you know, like it's like this scene out of a movie, you know, the butterflies fucking flying around, my wife out there with her little basket. That shit lasted about (laughs) three or four. Let me tell you, within six months, that shit had six foot tall weeds growing on it. She's like, fuck this. It's too hot. I'm going to the grocery store. I mean, I (laughs) I I can see where you're coming from, but like for us, if you got to take care of that. It ain't working. It doesn't work. No, no, uh, I'm woman, not taking care of anything. No, no, no. My wife doesn't want to be out there. I, I. So I put fruit trees now. I got a bunch of fruit trees that are very low maintenance and it's easy to take care of.
3: So, so that that's the closest thing that I can say that I've had as a crop share. When I when I lived in Philly, <laughs> our our neighbor to the back of us who was literally right there, he. He had a fig tree in his yard and whatever hung over our side was ours. Cause it was on our side. That was kind of, Oh, that's so,
2: uh, I love figs, uh, fresh figs, nothing like it. Pop yeah, them in a brown so that, that's bag. My, yeah.
3: That's my crop sharing
0: experience. Fresh figs, nothing like it. That should be a t-shirt for <laughs> ball. Uh,
2: you, I, I, you know what? I'm not, I shouldn't even defend myself. I can't, there's nothing Alex, like a
0: fresh Alex, fig. Please. That's an audio bite right there. <laughs> please find it. I could do a lot with it. Please oh fresh <laughs> figs nothing like it oh yeah dude please find it
2: i'm gonna be a, a non-active participant for the rest of the show <laughs> <laughs>
0: paul just had a virtual orgasm over fresh
2: figs yes i love them figs are- there and what's great about having figs in florida south florida if you've ever done it is they bloom twice a year so yeah. you get two crop shares from your fig tree, but mine keep dying here. I don't know why. So I keep getting clippings from Stephanie's grandfather and they, I can't make them live. They don't want to be around me. So doc.
4: Yeah. How are you?
2: I, I saw, I saw a post this week. Were you
0: behind the wheel of a car?
4: I was man. That's I was
0: The first time in a long time.
4: Yeah. Yeah. What happened? People don't realize we've had you,
0: we've had you on our show before yes, i have come up you, know, you have a serious eye situation where you know you're you're slowly losing your vision. So what happened that I saw posted you're behind the wheel of your car.
4: So people don't I don't talk much about it but once in a while it's good to bring it up cuz people a lot of times are saying where the fuck is Gabby? And the thing is is that oh uh, that's a new
0: segment where the fuck is Gabby. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I like it. I like
4: it. what happened is uh a long time ago uh it's 2008 I developed an eye condition that caused uh, both my retinas to partially detach. So my left eye, it, where it detached, was in the central vision. So if you if you got no central vision in one eye, you have no depth perception. And and so that's that's what really brought my uh, medical career to a halt because I used to do a lot of small procedures and surgeries, and I couldn't, you know, with one eye, you can't really be in the OR. So. The other thing that affected was driving. Um, for about three and a half years, I wasn't allowed to drive at all because in the state of Florida, you need at least 2050 in one eye to drive. You guys know like uh, 2020 eye vision. you've heard about that, right?
2: Yeah. But, right, of
4: course, yeah. So I, was, I wasn't I was even at 2050 in one eye, and uh, which is kind of like put yourself in my shoes. Like I here I am running a company. And it's really difficult operating with one eye that is at 50%. So I'm like, I'm like the if you see if my packaging sometimes looks if you see if you find little errors in our packaging, you'll know why. Okay. But um, yeah, man, I was in my truck uh, this week, and I had a meeting with somebody. I had a meeting with uh, we're picking up a new sales rep for the state of Florida. Ray Granja, I don't know if you guys have heard of him. He's great. He's old friend of mine.
0: Ray Granja sounds familiar. Where is he from?
4: He's he's uh, right now. He's working with Carl uh, Malone with uh, okay. a cigar called. Uh, well, it's called Carl Malone. It's a barrel uh, aged uh, cigar coming out of La Aurora. He's also the representative for the rum produced by the factory, uh, La Aurora Factory. Okay. So I met with him, and I also met with our distributor from Ghana. He flew in. Uh, he was in Miami. We met at a cigar lounge a few miles from my house. But what's funny, I left early because I, I can't drive at night, so I leave before sunset. And it just hit me, man, like how many people take driving for granted? Yep. And and everyone's always looking, oh, you know, what car am I driving? What do you drive? What do you have? The price of gas. And, you can bitch and moan all you want, but let me tell you something. It is such a luxury to be able to get in your car and just go wherever you want, whenever you want. That's, that's, I remember back in the old days, my dad, God rest his soul, man, late at night, he sometimes go out for a drive just as meditation and just to relax. I don't know if your dad's ever did that. Go out for a drive.
3: I do it. I still do it.
4: Yeah. Taking I do it a in, a in the room. golf cart
2: nightly.
3: I do it in the golf cart. No, I do it. I do. Especially if I'm listening to a podcast, I'll take an extra loop or two around.
2: Yeah. It's the only time I like driving. I hate driving any other time, honestly. But I like to take a couple minutes for myself. Yeah.
4: a lot. Sometimes if I'm out and it's late at night, uh, I never get on the highways because high speeds are really uh, – I'm the guy that like uh, I could be a good distance from a car. And then at the very last minute, I'll start breaking. So I, I got to basically stick to roads where the cars aren't moving fast. And I sneak out. I do my things, you know. Not not bad things, but I go out. I take the back roads, drive home. I live off of old Cutler Road, so it's perfect. You know, everyone's going 30 miles an hour. I can go from here all the way to downtown Brickle. I can get everywhere. So it, it's good stuff, man. But, you know, I, it's interesting you bring that up because – my hearing uh my sense of smell and my sense of taste ever since this started happening 10 years ago have shot through the roof oh really oh yeah like i've become hypersensitive with my hearing so then i I, and i've taken psychology classes and i know how the brain works and how different areas of the sensory system work and so the human body tends to adapt and evolve based on what deficits you have, and and I had always noticed these things three, four years after my eyesight went south. But as as time progressed, man, I I like I hear everything, like even little humming sounds, and it's really annoying sometimes. Huh. It, it's really strange. So every to go to bed, I gotta I gotta put AirPods on and listen to some. I'm the podcast. same way.
3: I'm the same exact way. I, I can't. I, I
4: can't. I can't fall asleep if I don't have a podcast going or something.
3: But I'm the same exact way. I mean, especially when I'm like trying to go to sleep, that slight. Yeah, uh-uh. and I wouldn't hear all day that slight tick of the fan or something. It'll keep me up.
4: But uh, I think it helps. Uh, do I think I have these super sensory taste buds? I think I do, man. And I as far as smell also, I think uh it's really important in what we do with cigars.
0: I tease what? my wife, man. She's got canine sense of smell. Like it's it's nuts. She could smell our kids like from across the room goes, Did you shower today? Come here. Oh, you're muscular.
4: You know what? I I'm gonna tell I you I hug who-
0: my kids every day, multiple times a day. I've never walked away saying, Oh, you need a shower. But she'd be right, man. She'd be smelling across the room like No, we didn't shower. Go shop. It's crazy. She's got canine sense of smell.
4: I'm one that believes that women have better taste buds, a sense of taste. I think it has to do with the estrogen. Uh, Really, it does. Uh, I wish we would see more female cigar reviewers out there because there's like a 1,000 guys reviewing cigars.
3: True. Very good point.
2: Are there are there any notable female cigar reviewers that we know? I don't, reviewers, I don't
0: know. know reviewers I don't know if they're reviewing. There's a lot of female personalities. I don't know who's doing. I
2: don't There's know. There's an anyone. opening right there. That's that's actually a great observation. Do reviews. Yeah, me neither.
4: I do observe the females a lot. Yes. <laughs> it's a joke. Calm that, would down. A good, that, that would be
2: a good that would that would be a good that would be cool. Is cigar. Oh, they're saying cigar vixen. I don't she doesn't review cigars, she does, does she? We've had her on the show.
4: So she talks about cigars. Yeah, she may do reviews, actually. I think she but, might. But I don't think she's rating cigars. Like she doesn't slap a number on a cigar.
2: Oh, uh, true. Yeah, you might be right.
4: She's cool but though. We've had her on the show. She's
2: really nice. I
4: don't know. There, there is I, one in Europe, uh, Pandora. I know of that one. She she's the only that, cigar that one. You got her on speed dial? pandora's out of europe you could find her on facebook or instagram she's pretty cool but of course she does her reviews i think in german you know so but uh
0: speaking of bloggers and reviews it was an interesting couple of weeks uh this past uh couple weeks um you know a lot of talk and a lot of talk from the boutique cigar association regarding you know uh, i guess the half wheel article that came out and i think you made a
4: couple statements on that didn't you I made it, of course, man, I'm very vocal all the time. I think uh, so, so much has happened in the past week that uh, I think Thursday, the National Academies of Science basically dropped information on their scientific review of what premium cigars are and basically uh, what they recommend to the FDA in the sense of their findings, right? But before that, there's right now it's such a there's too many people crying for attention every time a cigar comes out. And what's happened is it's a thing that only happens in America. OK, it's something about America that drives people to create brands that are just provocative. Like so what happens is you they, everybody's talking more about the brand or the branding than the actual blend. So I don't know. Well, there's
0: there's there's companies that made a whole career doing that.
4: Well, I completely agree, but I think right now we're walking on eggshells. So so the the listen there, there's there's the business part of how many cigars did you sell this year, and then there's the longevity portion as to do we want to operate in an industry that's going to be heavily regulated by the FDA. So right now we're at that crossing point where. They're watching everything we're doing. They're looking at cigar aficionado. They they're, they're, they don't like the fact that there's this glamour component to cigars. The FDA and NASM came out and basically said it. Uh, they don't like the influencers on social media that make it look like it's something amazing. Oh, my God, you got to have a cigar. Because if you rewind 25, 30 years, the same thing happened in the cigarette industry. Every, every movie star that was smoking a cigarette Yeah, they still do it, but but they came down hard on that. But I think the branding is really a problem. Uh, However, you got to look at the arguments also coming from the people that are creating these brands. They're not selling uh, their products in places where children or people under the age of 18 have access to those products. So so that's the fine line that, Okay, the FDA sees this. They're gonna bitch and moan, saying we're targeting youth. But then the business owners are coming out and saying, whoa, 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 whoa. We have a private club. We have a private store. We don't allow minors in. So there's there's some point. Look at look at branding for craft beer. You walk you walk into Total Wine. You check out the craft beer section. It looks like freaking Toys R Us. Okay, so so is
0: someone who I would consider far above average intelligence, Doc. Let me just say this. How many Seven Elevens, Circle Ks, Walgreens um, across the country have cigars in them?
4: A lot. I was, A lot. Yeah, but they the only, I, the hold ones, on. You know, I'll guarantee you, without knowing this
0: statistically, there's yeah. way more than those than there are cigar shops in the country.
4: Correct. Six thousand. Okay. There's six thousand so, two hundred of those.
0: Okay. So that being said. Do you not feel that children have access to those places?
4: 100%.
0: Okay. So, therefore, is the plausible argument that we don't market to cigars as an industry? And, I mean, look, premium cigar shops, I don't think there's a question that we don't attract children. Most most people that walk into a cigar shop or a cigar lounge or a premium cigar lounge is well over the age of 21. And most of the newer businesses that have full bars, so you definitely have to be over 21. But that's not the issue. The issue is there's a segment of our market that is well beyond and way more numerically valued than the premium cigar shop. Is And knowing that we're being targeted, is it the FDA's job to decipher where what's being selling where? I mean, no. hypothetically, couldn't these exact products that we are being made in this industry end up at a 7-Eleven? Why wouldn't they?
4: They 100% could.
0: And that's the argument that I think a lot of people are missing based on what you were just saying. There's a right, listen, there's there's a right to market and there's a right to do things that work for your business. Um, I don't believe in, in shutting things down, but we also do have a responsibility to the business to understand the climate. And where we're in, we have been and always will be from this point moving forward an industry that we just have a walking bullseye on. I don't think that's changing.
4: Listen, tobacco is tobacco. They made that clear on Thursday's meeting. However, there's two types of people in this business, the premium cigar business. You got people that are planning to come in five years, seven years, milk it until they can't anymore. And then you got people that come into it like me that want to spend the rest of their life making premium cigars. So there's a disconnect. And we see the disconnect because we, we I could list five cigar manufacturers that have gone on rants. And I'm not going to go into naming names, but, but the, the old timers have gone on these massive rants, pissed off about the circus show going on in the industry. But at the same time, the industry, the industry is all of us, PCA, CRA, BCA, uh, CAA, NATO. The industry is like afraid to do something about it you know i i, I proposed self regulation 2 3 years ago i had a private conversation with glenn loop about self regulation a lot of industries self regulate the, uh, the 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 craft beer industry has the brewers association that has like 6000 brewers registered and 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 they assist companies in being compliant in education in forums in product development it seems like the cigar industry operates like it's the Wild West. So right now, what everybody wants to do is point the finger and say, fuck that guy. It's his fault. It's her fault. This is no, 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 no. Let That's me ask you problem. something.
0: Is, is that what being said or is just the sheer irresponsibility or negligence or just don't give a fuck attitude is what's being pointed out. You know, <laughs> listen, I've been, I have been guilty accidentally of stuff like this, right? So we used to have a um, a hot weekly deal, right? And I used to have a very talented guy who would write copy for it every week. And he would tie it into something going on in current affairs in the world. And, um, you know, and they would superimpose my head. And it would be funny. It was a parody.
2: And they were hilarious. They were,
0: were hilarious. very funny. I, I used to get emails. I almost <laughs> yeah. ran my car off the road. When I saw your hot weekly deal this week, <laughs> but we'd be so oblivious sometimes that we would we would do something unintentional and then you know get a lot of flack afterwards. So we did a back to school sale, right? Oh shit! Oh. oh yeah! Oh shit! School bus, <laughs> me coming off the school bus <laughs> like in a ten year old body with my forty year old head, you know, and
4: that's funny. Th-
0: the second that email got out, my shit blew up.
4: Good or bad, blew up.
0: No, I mean it was just like, why would you do this? You know, okay. I mean, what were you thinking? I could. I remember.
4: I remember it.
2: It was really funny.
0: <laughs> you know, I could have fought the fight. Let's I could have said, look, it's just simple marketing, and it's an email going out to adults. Th- these are people who subscribe to us. You know, I could. I could make every plausible argument on why what I did shouldn't have been a big deal.
4: But you know what, Abe? You you bring up a great point. You bring up the the best point of everything that's been said the past two weeks. You just brought it up. And if, if you observe who is doing these things, it's the new guys. You know? It's the new guys. And what's happening is when they do it, they see the backlash. So what's happened is I think they're being checked by the industry. And you will see... If, if if from this point moving forward the same people do the same shit over and over, then I think that's you know what? That's bad. That's really bad.
0: Well, that was my point. I took my I took that email and that sale off our website immediately. There was just no point because <clears throat> you know, like you, I, I, I not only am I, you know plan on doing it for as long as I can, Good. I've already been in it for 25 years. Right. Why do I want to subjugate my industry to anything that might put it at risk? It's not worth it. Look, it's like your children, right? Anybody, you know, there are guys out there who are preaching how they're innovators and changing the industry, and they and they care about it. Well, you know, treat treat the industry like it's your child.
4: Yeah, right. Absolutely. You love your children. Do you absolutely. put them
0: inadvertently at risk when you don't have to? That's the way I look at the industry. Why? Why put it? Why put my it's industry like- at risk unnecessarily? for something that's really not that important, you know? So I've made that mistake. I immediately respond. I don't try to, it's pointless to say it, 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 it was you're, you know, it's very defendable from my position, but it was pointless to have that argument. So I think that's the biggest problem. And then you have the consumers who want to rally around these people they have fans for. And, and look, I'm, I'm all for it. I, having consumer loyalty is great, but they're gonna be the first ones that are gonna cry when you go to black and white packaging. Right, and you can't walk into a humidor anymore, and you got to start buying cigars the way people have to buy cigarettes. Because in my lifetime, not that long ago, cigarettes were just out on the counter. You could walk up, grab
2: a pack, walk to register, and pay for it. Yeah, most people. Is that true? Vanilla. Yes. What? Absolutely. I never. I've never seen that in my life. Absolutely, never they were display, that. They were just.
0: Listen, you can walk into places and grab cartons. They would yep. have carton shoving. You pull your own carton out. You'd go to the 7 Eleven. Wow. The display would be right there in the registry. You can grab the display and put it on there. And then it changed like overnight. You can't touch a pack of cigarettes until after you paid for it. You have no access to touch a pack of cigarettes. That's what's going to happen in the cigar industry. So while you want to rally, you know, your the, the manufacturers you love, realize there's a bigger picture and a bigger end game here. But, These are plausible things that will happen to our industry.
4: But you know what, Abe? Uh, Everything you're saying, if you if you're using logic, right, and you take emotion out of the equation, and and it's very hard to argue against anything you're saying or anything I'm saying for that matter. Uh with that said, when when you look at a cigar brand, let's say there's a, I slap a, a Mickey Mouse band on this cigar, and it, this I okay. So first of all, physically, I did not Paul the, would buy that up.
0: You can charge them premium. You put a Mickey Mouse band on that cigar. I have
4: one.
2: I have one. Disney used to do it. it. there's one right here. That's not a Mickey Mouse Disney band. Disney used they but they, they had ones that did have Mickey Mouse on them. Really? So, but, I, I swear to you.
4: Yeah. But the point, the point is, is that think about this, right? Who who's involved in the process of getting that product to market? First, you have a cigar factory. Second, you have a company that printed the cigar band. Third, uh, you have the importers, then you got the distributors, then you got the retailers, then you got the bloggers. So at the end of the day, you've got like seven different components of the industry that are promoting that product. So when I say.
0: All right. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Go ahead. Promoting and manufacturing. You you know, to try to tie in a guy who making labels for cigars, not promoting products. That guy has no clue. But but what Gabby
2: is is saying, but what Gabby's saying, I guess, they're involved in the process. They're involved. They could say something.
4: Several checkpoints. Look, I was at cigar rings two weeks ago, sitting with Albert and Maria. They, they run the place in the Dominican Republic, probably the best place this side of the world where you can print cigar bands. And guess what? They've got things that they will do and things that they won't do. Even when it comes to design and, and, but the problem is there's a lot of uh, – I love the term Jose Blanca used. He used it last weekend, and I'm sorry to reference Jose Blanco, but I don't think he cares. There's a lot of Mickey Mouse operations out there that will do anything just to make a buck. Yep. That's the problem that we have as an industry is, you know, the regulations are a problem. Look, NASA came back and said two things. Sorry, Abe, let me just finish this part. Sure, sure. They said, number one, tobacco is bad, period. And and number two, they said, well, based on consumption rates, uh, usage patterns, and the fact that you don't really inhale cigars, uh, the FDA needs to do further research. Uh, and, and here's the thing is, when, when NASM started doing a scientific investigation on premium cigars, there was a problem. The problem was that all the research that they had, the, de- the definition of cigar clumped in everything, including machine-made cigars, cigarillos, flavored cigars. Cigar was cigar. So all the research that they were looking at had clumped in. <clears throat> Mind you, if you look at premium cigars, what, this past year, 400 million cigars were imported into the U.S., yet there was about five and a half billion of the other so-called categories of cigars. So the research that NASM was doing was focused on these 6 6 billion cigars that were imported. So I reached out to the director of the National Academies of Science. I literally called. I said, who's running this research investigation? It's a a young lady named Amy Geller. She's the director. They had put together a, a symposium of seven doctors, PhDs, and MDs to review the scientific literature to then come... Uh, come up with a scientific assessment of how to tell the FDA how to proceed. I said, well, I go, there's something wrong here because we have to clear up the fact that premium cigars are different. You can't do reviews of scientific literature that clumps us in with everything else. Now, our industry has done a fantastic job achieving the the nomenclature of a definition for premium cigars. That's the, the $15 million that was spent in the past five, six years by CRA, PCA, CAA, and everybody that's dumped a fucking quarter in that bucket has been excellent. Everyone says, oh, we lost the lawsuit. We, did, we didn't get this. You know what? We got the definition premium cigars. The court adopted the definition. Judge Mehta adopted the definition of what a premium cigar is. So now our hurdle has been, can we get NASM to adopt the definition? And can we get the FDA to adopt the definition? So I, I took like two weeks out of my life, literally shut everything down, and I put together a 58-page research paper that I developed myself talking specifically about what separates premium cigars from all other to- combustible tobacco products. This, this is all going to be public information. It's going to come out in their final report. And I focus so hard on the fact that we spend years pulling ammonia out of the tobacco compared to the rest of the industry. If you look at cigarettes, the cigarette industry is buying 50 million barrels of ammonia to spray on the tobacco because it's ammonia that makes the nicotine addictive. It's the ammonia that that increases the volatility of the nicotine so that it's easily absorbed in the body. So when you take ammonia out of the tobacco, which is what our industry does, We sit here like fucking idiots. We take a million dollars, right? We buy tobacco and we're sitting there just sweating it, sweating it, sweating it. It's not ready yet. It's not ready yet. What are we doing? We're removing the ammonia from the tobacco. So when you remove the ammonia, what happens is that the nicotine goes from a volatile ion to a salt. So this nicotine salt is not absorbed by the human body. Because Nassim, when I was talking to Amy Geller, she said, there's one thing we can't figure out, doc. She told me this. There's one thing we can't figure out. We did a study on two people. One non-smoker, and we took another subject, another male. Uh, I wonder who that bastard was. I'd love to know. And they gave him a cigar to smoke. So one hour after, this gentleman smoked the cigar. This gentleman never smoked they ran tests to check nicotine levels in the blood. And you know what they found? They had the same nicotine levels. They were sitting there scratching their heads as to why it is that this guy just smoked an entire cigar and an hour later, there's no nicotine traces. There is, you know, because nicotine is found in so many vegetables like tomatoes. There's Nicotine is found in different things. But this 58-page research paper that I submitted on behalf of our association, the Boutique Cigar Association, um, really focusing on the nicotine, ammonia, and what separates us from every other. Because Mitch Zeller, I sat in on a, midi- on, on a meeting with the center, with the director of the Center for Tobacco Products, Mitch Zeller. And I, mind you, every time I've sat in on a meeting, it's because the industry has afforded me the luxury to sit in those meetings. You know, gentlemen like George Padron, Carlito Fuente, Drew Newman, Glenn Loop. They said, we can't go into that meeting without Gabby Caffey. That that guy is still a licensed physician. I keep my license active. I do a lot of research. And they said, we want him there. And you know what? I don't take that shit for granted. When those guys expect me to step up, I, I re, you know what? I shut everything down. I don't care if I sell a cigar for a week or two or three. Or you guys don't see me going from store to store because I'm doing other shit. I'm trying to literally save the cigar industry doing the best I can with what I know. And I really do believe that that 58 page article swayed them enough to come to the conclusion, literally on Thursday, they said the FDA needs to do more research on A, B, C, and D. Uh, but we do know tobacco is bad and we do know cigars have a lot of nicotine, but see, Yes, there's nicotine in a cigar, but is it absorbable? Is it a nicotine salt or is it a volatile ion? And I gave them research from the NIH, from the Department of Health and Human Services, from the CDC that they, the government funded itself. So it's kind of like it's hard to argue with research that they funded.
0: There's been government research and argumentative data for secondhand smoke and nicotine that's been going on for a long time, probably will be going on for a long time. This is kind of a little bit tangent from what we started this discussion about. But you did bring up the Boutique Cigar Association, which uh, I do want to talk about. If you come back for the break, we got to take a small break. Um, We're going to have William Cooper join us right after the break because he's also very... um, enthralled what's going on in this in this segment of our cigar industry and uh we got a lot coming up in hour two more with dr gabby caffey uh of tape season four is this the first this is the first one right yeah first one first week episode one of tail of tape season four and our brand new segment that replaced in cigar insane asylum after 10 years of uh kma talk radio would you rather all in hour number two don't go anywhere keep it lit
3: The H. Chapman 1844 Classic is a medium-bodied cigar with wonderful flavor notes of toasted almonds, cocoa, coffee, and just a hint of spice. Featuring an Ecuadorian Connecticut shade wrapper, you get wonderful aroma notes of sweet coffee and chocolate. Available in a Corona, Robusto, Toro, and Churchill, this is a great time to experience the nuances of nature with the H. Chapman 1844 Classic, a shade
1: above others.
3: Surgeon General warning, cigars are not a safe alternative to cigarettes. Where are we again?
2: We are deep in the Argentina Colqueque
3: Desert Valley. It is so beautiful. It is.
2: It's hard to believe that we're at an elevation of 8,000 feet. What's down there? That's the Mayoko River. It feeds just a few acres of dark mulbet grapes. Wow. Wow is right. From those few acres, only 9,000 bottles of this amazing mulbec wine are made. How can people get it? They can go to KMAwines.com and pick up a three wine sampler that includes this Mulbeck for just $69 and 50% off shipping. That is
3: awesome. We should
2: head back down so we can order some right away. I'm not getting any reception. Sounds
3: good to me. I'll race you back.
0: Welcome back to Hour 2 of KMA Talk Radio. Our special guest this week, Dr. Gabby Caffey of Caffey 1901 Cigars. And our uh, trusty, um, oh man, I'm having a blackout. What do you call a guy? A contributor. Our KMA contributor, William Cooper, will be joining us for Hour 2 as we talk about the cigar industry today and what's going on. Is he on? He's
2: on. He's I wasn't sure you were ready for it. Oh, wait, he's not there. He's coming back. Uh, <laughs> you can leave it on. Yeah. All right. It's Coop's chair. Well, wow. You know I was mean, up is. Coop. Oh, there. He is.
1: Good morning, everybody. Good morning, Good morning Coop. Good morning, Coop. Good morning. The break was short. Time. The break was a lot shorter today, guys. Yeah, <laughs> I no break. No, myself, breaks, too, man. no oh, Yeah. Okay. Because okay, that's why I was like, yeah, normally I have like a few more minutes. So. <laughs>
0: Yep. So, we had a very interesting first hour. If you didn't catch it, go back and watch it later during the week. Uh, we talked about Paul's uh, odd neighborhood habits, and Dr. <laughs> Dr. Caffey and I got in discussion with a lot going on. So, Dr. Caffey, you mentioned right before the break the Boutique Cigar Association. Um, I don't know how many people are literally aware of this. Can you tell us a little bit more about the Boutique Cigar Association, when it started? Who's in it? What mm-hmm. what exactly is the purpose? Because you know, I'm look. I'm from the philosophy. Is how many more organizations does any industry need, especially one our small? I agree. I small as ours, but so tell us, you know, what exactly is the purpose of it as well?
4: What what you guys are going to find is that I'm more in agreement with you guys than disagreement. But the BCA was started back in when the FDA deeming regulations uh, went into effect, August eighth of two thousand sixteen. It was tough uh there was a lot of unknowns and what what happens is the guys that can afford it they hi- they hire the right lawyers and the lawyers like me you know I've, i'm blessed to since day one i've had great legal representation i have conversations with my lawyers we have conference calls yes it costs me 500 bucks an hour but i do it just to stay informed but there's a problem in this industry in that this there's a lot of very very small players I'm a small player, but there's guys smaller than me, and um, they literally don't have a clue. Even today, six years later, they don't know that the premium cigar industry is technically regulated by the FDA. So we are regulated, but what's what we're not is the, the regulations haven't been implemented yet. There's no enforcement. It's like, it's like imagine if you're uh, driving down the road and you see a, a sign that says 65 miles an hour, but there's no cops to give tickets. That's what's going on in the premium cigar industry right now. That's why everybody feels they could do and act and take advantage of the fact that we're not, there's no enforcement taking place. So the BCA's original goals, the purpose was to really educate the small companies, help them. And what what happened was my phone number and my email became the place where people would reach out and call. Hey, what's going on? You know, what can we do? What can't we do? You know what? And it, it one company turned into two, turned into three, then five, then ten, then today we're up to forty eight companies. Ironically, in December of twenty twenty one, I think it was. I don't. I think it was twenty twenty. I announced that I'm stepping down. I can't. I literally like. There was nothing more to do. I had reached my saturation point with the BCAA. I said, a part of me said it's a lost cause. Another part of me said, there's still a noble cause here, the education and awareness and getting people informed as to what's going on. Because if you try to reach out to one of the industry attorneys that represents premium cigar companies today, their panels are full they're not taking on any new any more new customers any new clients so at that point when i decided to step down i literally took like a three-month hiatus um i, I reached out to a few friends of mine that were part of the bcaa and they decided to put together a board uh today the president of the bcaa is armin Caprelian. he's got a brand out of new york uh, there's a there's a board of seven individuals I stayed on as the treasurer. Uh, However, the BCAA is still focused on keeping everybody informed as to what's going on with the industry. But that's the main purpose is education and awareness. Um, It's literally like a volunteer organization because there is no membership fees. There's no membership dues. It's free. It's a volunteer thing. It's not like we're... uh, a formal association where we're generating revenue uh we're not it's this is like uh friends coming together to help each other that's what it's really all about
1: gabby so i applaud what organizing for the bca i think you guys needed to organize and i think it's, it's been you know something that has to happen but i am confused and i'm not gonna lie here Are you a trade association or are you a social club? I think there's a big difference, and I'm going to be honest. I think the messaging has gotten mixed from time to time.
4: Personally, mind you, look, I'm on the show today, not the board, okay? So I'm going to answer this personally. Uh, The way I see the BCAA is a social organization. It's not a trade association. Um, What what the BCAA would like to do is eventually – become a formal association but it's going to require a lot of people getting off their ass and getting to fucking work okay we know how
0: that always works out
4: yeah well that's a good point so i i've said it and i'll say it today publicly and i may get enemies from this okay i don't care i don't i don't nobody pays my bills um I've told Glenn Loop, I've told Armin, I've told a lot of people that are in my, uh, you know, my network of phone calls. The BCAA is great because it literally brings together a bunch of co- uh, companies. Some of them are worthy, you know. They're they're known. There's three, four, five of them that are well known in the industry because the owners are 100% in. There's a lot of guys that are in this part time. I don't believe in doing anything part-time, but there's a lot of people in the boutique cigar world that are doing this part-time, meaning they have a main job, and then they do this on nights and weekends, right? But I see the BCAA as coming. It's good to identify all these companies, but we're not a trade association. And, and I've told many people that what we need to do is, okay, great. We've identified, because there's a lot of players out there that they're just randomly have their brands and they're selling, but we need to come in under a real trade association and we need to have presence at a real trade show and we need to pool our money and our resources to support the industry that has been fighting this fight forever. So that's my personal belief is that we are not a trade association. We've we've taken the time to identify a segment uh, that otherwise wouldn't really be identified. So these are all the people that, I'll give you an example. Let's say a PCA booth, uh, a good a good showing at the PCA, and you guys know the numbers, is anywhere from fifteen dollars to $25,000 for, for a minimalist approach to attend PCA. What I would like to see is for all these small boutique cigar companies to have a pavilion at PCA. I would like for us to find an affordable way to get these people on the main stage. That accomplishes two things. We become part of a legitimate trade association. And two, our money, even though it's less, actually supports our industry directly. But I completely agree. This industry is tiny. Uh, it's so. T- uh, let me give you an analogy of how tiny this industry is. <laughs> Last year, if you add up all the cigars that were imported into the United States in terms of 40-foot containers, it was 160 40-foot containers that came from Honduras to the U.S. If you look at the coffee industry, 18,000 40-foot containers. Can I be more clear of how tiny this industry is? So the BCAA is great, fantastic. Uh, people helping each other, knowledge being transcended from the top to the bottom to people that need it. However, in order to legitimize what we're doing, we need to fall in under one of the main trade associations and become a part of them. Um, PCA reached out to us, I think it was last year, and they said, look, we're willing to work with you guys. We want to give you guys a section. Uh, We'll create you know, 20 different booths will make it affordable. Uh, this way, you guys can be at the PCA for 30. I, I'm just going to throw a number out there. Let's say 3,500 bucks all in, kind of like a TPE-style presence at PCA. It was a great offering. Uh, I loved it. However, the three, four, five brands that could go. Three months is really short notice for us to be able to bring together 20 people that could attend something that like that. That was last year. That was last yeah, year. I, All right, I so are there other plans there. for this year? That, that, there haven't been any talks this year. There
1: haven't.
0: A follow-through is amazing. But has anyone
1: just reached back out to the PCA? If you guys are interested, if you guys reach back out to the PCA and say, hey, we're, we, we have interest here. Let's make this happen. I'm,
4: I'm at the point, Coop, where, you know – Fifty uh, percent of me is kind of like saying to just move forward and focus on Caffe nineteen oh one.
0: I've been the, I've been in that boat, Doc. Yeah.
4: yeah, and then and then the other half of me, the the doctor in me, you know, the doctors like to help, right? <laughs> we like to do shit and not get paid. It comes. Um, at
0: the, it comes at the expense of our own business. I suffered that does. in twenty eighteen.
4: It does. It does. Yes, William. Look, uh, after Nassim's report, I got to be honest. Uh, you know, everybody wanted to get together to see what happened at NASA's report. So I get a call from Mike Cooperman over at uh, CRA. Hey, Gabby, you know, CAA, PCA, CRA, NATO, we're having a private meeting. We want you to be there. That's huge, right? But you know what? I don't see myself as the president of the BCAA anymore. So I, I said, hey, do you mind if I invite Armin? He's the guy running the BCAA. Let him attend the meeting. So again, I'll say that it's a huge privilege for us to be included in these private calls to to talk about what's happening. But there comes a point, it's like it's like you're you're in a bar fight and there's four of you there and one of them's not throwing a punch. So there comes a point for me. I think I'm at that point already. We
3: feel that every Saturday with Paul. I want to ask a question. (laughs) I want to ask a question. Maybe I might be taking a step back a little bit, but um Does the BCAA have a set definition of what constitutes a boutique cigar company? Because it's a term we hear a lot.
4: So there was two. There's a philosophical approach and then there's a numbers, right? So initially the number was 500,000 cigars or less per year. Then we pushed it up to a million because we had a couple people that were selling more than that. But I have trouble arguing with the philosophy of a boutique cigar. And I'll tell you, very straight up. Uh, you can go to Fuente and go to the Opus X rolling room, and that is a boutique operation. You can go to La Aurora Cigar Factory, and you know their cigars—they're preferivos, the one that comes in those double the yeah. tubes. Right. They only have three rollers making those cigars, and they only make a hundred cigars a day. So, the word boutique has been used so much in the past that it's developed different definitions. We looked at it like the craft uh beer association the brewers association they, they set a line on x number of barrels you know so we said you know what let's do the same for now let's set a mark so initially back in the day when this was starting out we had talked to people like robert holt skip martin we had talked to a few people and they were interested however they they literally just said you know what let us sit back and see how this thing develops and if, if i was to grade how we developed as a trade association i would probably give us a d uh i wouldn't give us an f because we have a pulse and we're breathing right <laughs> now uh, in terms of uh, i'm being honest i'm fuck, i'm telling you i might make enemies i don't care but if we look at how did we develop in terms of helping 48 different brand owners Kind of not feel so intimidated and just kind of understand where they stand and where their business stands and should they stay in, should they keep investing. I think that's where we get a really high marks, but that doesn't qualify us for a trade association. I, I'm a firm believer we need to pull our resources together and become a part of PCA. Now there's people like I'm not gonna mention names. There's people that have been going to PCA for year, decades, right? But they don't feel the love from PCA. I don't know if I don't wake up every morning expecting to be loved by a trade association. I want my kids and my wife to love me, right? But there needs to be communication. I think things need to be made easier. Everybody's got to fucking get off the shitter, get some work done. Um, I'm telling Vivian right now, even though PCA is right around the corner, Uh, We need to have presence. It's been long enough, eight years in a fucking industry and not going to the PCA. We're a small family-owned business. I don't have sales reps, you know, but we need to have a presence. It's time to support the industry. We support it in many different ways. Heck, I developed a coffee line where every coffee bag that was sold, the proceeds went to CRA. But everybody's changing and everybody's evolving. And I think one of the biggest evolutions that took place in the past two years was Glenn Loop leaving CRA. CRA was kind of like okay. Her, her,
0: was that was that bad for CRA? I, th- I think it. The answer is yes. I, I'm going to tell you something. I couldn't tell you anything about how Glenn has affected the CRA outside of what I saw happen at the Great Smoke this year. Please explain. Well, Glenn would yes. always be very active at the Great Smoke. Contact me in advance. We would figure out how to sign up all these new members. We would come to negotiation where I would prepay for anybody who wanted a membership. We barely had any communication, and within the first hour of the show, as I was walking by and I took a picture of it, there was nobody in the booth.
1: Now yeah. I know he was there
0: because I saw
1: him. I saw that too. Yeah, we saw the as booth well.
0: wasn't decorated. No one was out talking to consumers. Whoever came, I can't even remember his name, came like an attendee. Like I think he was just around partying and enjoying the event because we had allocated a booth space, which I could have sold to a vendor. We had four vendors ready to turn away for the CRA. And this guy wasn't present and didn't do a job that he's so supposedly to do. If,
4: if When I got into the business, right. So um, that alone
0: kind of tells me if that's how my event is being handled with them. I, I can't imagine how they're handling other aspects of yes. what's going on over there.
4: Great. There's, there's different people that have, <laughs> I think personalities are different. And Glenn, uh, Glenn loop, he is the reason that I developed this tremendous passion to not just sell c- cigars, but rather learn about the industry, the history of our industry, who has done what, what has gotten us to this point. You know, there's, a, there's some key people that have really sacrificed a lot of money to get the fight to where it is today. And, you know, they stay quiet on the sidelines. They don't. Nobody talks about how much they've donated. But we, we know who the key people are. They don't. They they're not sitting there to, uh, asking. Oh, okay, how much did this guy donate? What did he do? What they want to see is they want to see an industry come together. And and really argue the same arguments that they've been arguing because they're trying to save companies that have been. It, it's funny. Think, think about this, right? You've got companies out there that have two, three, four, five hundred grandfathered cigars. Yet they're the ones fighting to keep the new guys in the in business. Does that make any fucking sense, you guys? if 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 you are in a position where the perfect monopoly could be created for your business to grow ten x in the next five years, why would you even fight this fight? Wouldn't you just sit there and play dead and let everybody get fucking destroyed? Yet the guys that are fighting the fight to keep everybody in business and to keep the FDA in check, are those guys that have the luxury of sitting on hundred, two, three, four, five hundred grandfathered cigar brands? It, it, it's, I think people read into things too much. Oh, what's why is he doing that? What's the angle? There's no fucking angle. These guys are tobacco men. They're tobacco families, and they love the industry. They love the traditional nature of The, the stories. This industry is an industry of stories. Whether if it's a, a immigration story or if it's a first, second, third generation story of of all the all, you know good things and bad things that have happened to families of the fires of the thefts of the you know deaths that have occurred, this is an industry of stories, and there's a, a lot of pride that goes into keeping those legacies alive. Heck, you know our own family, the Caffey family. Anybody that Googles the Caffey family will will learn these. There's a lot of things we don't talk about. The Caffey family has a foundation in Honduras that has helped build 78 Catholic churches in the country. They've not only helped build churches, they've built uh, cafeterias for children. They've built preschools. Uh, there, there's a, I, I have trouble talking about the family foundation or all the other things. 200,000 employees are employed by our family in honduras you know and there's a lot going on this is not just a bca cra pca talk but politically the biggest changes are taking place in central america right now and i'll tell you what was one of the triggering factors was in december of 2021 honduras elected a socialist president and Nobody in the cigar industry is touching that conversation because nobody's talking about it. The main airport in Honduras, which is in Tegucigalpa, if if, I don't know if any of you have ever been to Honduras. The main airport is in Tegucigalpa, in Toncontin. That's the name of the airport. Don't ask me why it was named that. Probably donated by Korea or something. But that airport was closed. So that airport was within 10, 15, 20 minutes of downtown Tegucigalpa, Right the biggest city in Honduras, that airport's permanently closed. The previous president, (laughs) the freaking comments are great, but they're distracting. The previous president just out of the blue said, we're closing the airport. We're going to move it two hours away in the middle of nowhere. So now, wait a minute. So now when I want to go to the factory, so before I used to go to the factory, right? I'd fly into Tegucigalpa. I'd go to my mom's house which was 15 minutes away from the airport. And then it was an hour and 20 minutes to the factory. And for us, being a small player, it was great because whenever we had shipments coming from the factory to Miami, it was an hour and a half drive to the airport. Now add two hours to that trip. Logistically, it's become a nightmare to be a premium cigar producer in Honduras. Unless you're shipping containers there's really no benefit to being in Honduras as a small producer. And I'll tell you why, because all the trucks, like say if I'm going to ship 50,000 cigars to Miami, all of our trucks are open. You can't predict the weather in Honduras. You're going from a 2,000 feet elevation to like, you can't, there's no, you, you can't look at the weather radar and say, okay, it's not going to rain. It always rains. And I don't want those open boxes in the back of an open truck on a four hour journey Hoping that the fucking guy didn't crash. So making cigars in Honduras is extremely difficult. Nobody's talking about the two hurricanes anymore. The devastated tobacco crops. The pandemic that left Honduras without oxygen for six months. I couldn't go to Honduras for six months because there was no oxygen in the country. Imagine getting COVID, getting short of breath, and you, walk, you go into a hospital, there's no oxygen. My family forbid me to come down. So there's multiple factors that are affecting the industry. The FDA is just one of them. You know, we we could see what's going on in Nicaragua. Nicaragua just booted out uh, the Taiwan embassy, and they're making room to bring in China. Wait, what? So uh, I'm like, I'm stuck here. What's going on here? The U.S. is now opening up an embassy in Cuba. Like, there's there's the the, the, the the ramifications that are taking place in the cigar business right now, they're at an all-time high. The, the greatest blessing we got was this. I, I think the
0: ramifications in a lot of industries are at an all-time high right yeah, now. Yeah. I think it's kind of a common thing globally, yeah. Doc. I mean, it's, it's not just cigar industry. It's, you know, we, my, we, we got in a car accident recently. I think I'm going to find out they're, going to total the car i'm hoping to find out tomorrow or the next day wow i'm not gonna have a car
4: what do you mean yeah, you, there's you no cars oh my god they,
0: there's no cars um in fact cadillac made me order one come in and order one three months ago wow so, so i'd have one when my lease ends
4: wow and now i got another four three months
0: more three or four lease.
2: more months right
0: yeah. I got four more months. I, I'm going to have to rent the car or buy a beater and drive around a beater until my car arrives. There's no car. So it's not just our industry. It's industry as a whole. Coop, you look like you were going to see something.
1: Yeah, yeah no, I, I actually was just – Gabby, you were just talking about the whole thing in Honduras, right? Now, yeah. you have made it – I'm, I'm going to infer because I was going to ask you the question. You made the decision to move to the Dominican Republic. I mean, so I guess I'm not off base from some of the problems you had. I guess the part that surprises me is, and I'm kind of curious, you know, you've been there, your family's been there for a century. I mean, generations, you guys have been there. And now you you made the decision to leave Honduras. And I just wanted you to talk a little more about, like, because I'm sure there was some emotional stuff that went into that. To to, to you've, you've always talked about Honduras. As yes, fa- as yes, as yes. You. So maybe you can give us a little more on that. I
4: appreciate the question, Coop, and it's great that we're able to talk about this openly yeah. because... When you say emotional, man, it it, it it didn't happen in a week or a month. It was more like two years of just uh, gut wrenching. Honduras is my baby, you know. Like you uh, know, in, in our culture, in a in our culture, I say, you know, our our family is originally from Bethlehem, right? We're we're we're, we're like the bald eagle. We're Christians from Palestine that are going extinct, right? We're like the guys that like really have uh, been part of a diaspora that have traveled the world and then we've ended up in countries all over especially in in the americas Um, most people don't know this but if you look at brazil and i'll I'll stay focused i just want to make a point brazil's population is 150 million people but most people don't know that 10 percent of that population are, are people like my family that ended up in honduras you know, Christian families from the diaspora that was displaced after the Ottoman Empire and the British rule taken over that region. So there's a lot of us in the industry, and we all just stay quiet, you know. Uh, there's other people. There's three, I can name three, four guys in the in the premium cigar industry that are major players that are Palestinian Christians, but they choose to not advertise that or talk about it. But I, I, look, we're, we're a country of immigrants, right? So Honduras was a place where my grandfather set his roots i don't know if i lost you guys or if i'm just looking at myself you're here you're here um no you're there my grand my father was uh born uh in the region my mother after being married moved there i was born there raised there uh our entire family is there everybody what happened the past two years is uh, with the hurricanes, you know, nine, uh, Honduras has a population of nine and a half million people. A million people were left homeless after those two hurricanes wow. went through. Um, so for us, you know, our, our family in Honduras, uh, different segments of the family, they own the electric company, they own the milk company, the cheese company. The they, There's a lot of businesses that really affect Uh, how Honduras as a country sustains itself. So I I was really sitting up front observing what was happening to our country. And there were certain factors that were not... Sustains Yeah, there were certain things that we... I like to think that there's stuff that we control as far as if you put a little effort, can we fix it? But there was a political climate in Honduras that was not fixable, and if you guys go back and look at what happened recently to the president of Honduras, are you guys aware of what's going on, or just is this news to you? What I'm talking. So I think the,
1: for our audience, it may I, be. It's,
4: so yeah, it's yeah, news to so me. Uh, I'll, I'll do a little show and tell. It's really devastating to the country. Um, but Honduras's president was recently, first of all, three years ago, the vice, Honduras' president's brother was extradited about three years ago by the U.S., by the DEA, Oof. and uh, he's now facing a life term in New York for doing some bad things, and it's drug-related. I don't want to go into too many details because – I don't need my... uh, Somebody
2: be knocking on your door.
4: Yeah. (laughs) Um,
2: (laughs) So there were bad things that happened. He was actually...
4: Yeah. But what happens is when people in the government are participating in such activities, it really makes it difficult for a, a simple businessman like myself to try to really run a business where two plus two equals four. Because... Again, I'm, I'm being very carefully, uh, I'm treading these waters, but uh, most recently what happened was that after the new president won um, and the old president stepped down, the DEA ordered the capture and the extradition of the president of Honduras who was there for eight years um, for the same reasons, right? So, the political climate in Honduras at the present time, when it comes to trafficking and money laundering, is just not a place where I, I don't thrive in those environments. I don't think a lot of people do. So, historically, our family was in a position where we had access to information, we had access to people, we had knowledge of kind of like, okay, you know, this is where we can help. This is where we can't. But this last eight years, what the government of Honduras has done to Honduras is just destroy the country. And that's such a complicated answer, Coop, because this goes back to all the gangs that are also present in Honduras and El Salvador. Uh, You have MS-13. Uh, Salvatrucha. You got like all these gangs that are. Uh, so President, I forget who it was. I think it was the first president, second president Bush. Had, uh, they deported so many. Uh, the three strikes, you're outlaw from the West Coast in California. They deported so many gang members to Central America that what they began doing was they turned those countries into gang cities and countries. However. Nicaragua was really, because of the government they have, it was so militarized that Nicaragua was safer than Honduras. You know, there was a period of time for about 16 to 18 months where El Chapo went to live in Honduras. So here I am traveling to Honduras, and I'm, I'm, I'm talking to my sister's gardener who's taking care of her property, and he's like, because I, I like to talk to everybody, right? I'm finding out El Chapo's living in Honduras. And I'm like, well, he lives in his neighborhood. And I'm like, well, how come the US doesn't do anything about this? What's going on? And the past eight years, Honduras no longer was the country that I grew up in or that I knew or that I used to visit. And so I, I fell out of love with Honduras, not the people, the country. So what happened, Coop, is over the past. A year prior to my move, a year prior to my move, there was. Uh, Y'all saw the mass exodus of people going to the U.S. Um, there's a shortage of workers in Honduras and Nicaragua today, severe shortage. I'm sure you see. Uh,
0: it's it's yeah. it's Art, you, I mean, you'll
4: see somebody like Art Garcia for the past three months posting, "We need rollers." Yeah, there's factors that there, but what's happening is. In, in Nicaragua, it's it's become sustainable because Nicaragua is bringing in people from Cuba. So Cuba operates in a very special way. Like, let's take Venezuela. I'm going to give you the analogy of Venezuela. There's 40,000 Cuban doctors living and working in Venezuela. Why? Because what Cuba does is Venezuela will send petroleum to Cuba and, and Cuba, instead of paying them, sends people. So about three years ago, Cuba suffered a few hurricanes that were very devastating. So Nicaragua began to export lumber. I'm talking six, seven, eight hundred thousand tons of lumber to Cuba. And in 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 return, Esteli has now become like a little mini Cuba. I don't know if you guys are hearing this for the first time or if it's. Am, have you heard anything?
0: Not about this
4: stuff. Esteli is becoming no, a little. I didn't know about this at all. The, the Esteli has become a hub for Cuban tourism. Cubans actually get visas and they want to go to Esteli to visit their families, their friends, and you'll hear interviews of Pepin Garcia talking about how all of his managers are Cuba. They're Cuban people that he's brought over. So Nicaragua has devised a mechanism to keep the cigar industry sustainable by importing Cuban labor. However, a country like Honduras has not been able to do the same thing. It's a lot smaller. There's only 12 producers in in Honduras. Wow. I think there's a... If, if you look at how many cigar factories in Nicaragua... There's about 180 cigar factories in Nicaragua. There's only 12 in Honduras. So... You know, most people
0: don't realize that.
4: They don't. It, it costs... I know people will argue this. Every factory runs their operation different, but the minimum wage in Honduras is double of the minimum wage that it is in Nicaragua. I'm not saying that the factories in Nicaragua are paying their people minimum wage, but Honduras has one of the highest minimum wages. Costa Rica is actually the highest. But um, so all those factors coming into play, and what happened in the past year was... uh,
0: is there a tipo chico?
4: No, no. I, I wish I'm. Uh, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not marketing to minors. <laughs> <laughs> Alan, I love you. I'm just kidding. But uh, first, we saw tobacco shortages, right? When I, I heard there were tobacco shortages, I told some of my guys from Miami. I said, "Hey, you guys need to go over to Nicaragua and see what you can get your hands on." And the big, the big factories were sending these massive trucks to literally stock cut all the tobacco. And they, they were taking tobacco. I mean, they were just taking all the tobacco. So little players like us, tobacco was difficult to source. Then I start getting calls that there's no cellophane. We're having trouble getting cellophane. I'm on the phone trying to negotiate uh, a 20 foot container of cellophane from China that's going to cost me like, I don't know, 30, 40, $50,000 for just the blank rolls of cellophane, right? That then you got to feed into the machines that then spit out. And I'm sitting here like, wait, 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 what, what business am I in? Am I in the business of fucking buying cellophane from China or, 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 am I, or do I want to focus on the cigar blend? Well, then, When well, you then, run your
0: own company, doc, you're in whatever yes, business you need to be in. Then That's the way that goes. I
4: mean, correct. You right.
0: probably need two more hours to do a show with you.
4: But we had we had suppliers, though. And I'll make this quick. Then it goes into the pectin. We had no tobacco glue. So the local supplier didn't have any. So I'm calling the local supplier here in the U.S. I got to wait three months for their next shipment to come in. And then the, the, the nail in the coffin was when we had 300,000 cigars that we need. We had to ship 200,000 to Canada. By the way, plain packaging sucks, okay? We can talk about that later. And a hundred thousand were coming into the U.S., and my guys are telling me there's no cardboard boxes in Honduras. So we had to go beg Conrado Placencia. He 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 had some odd shaped boxes that we took just to get the shipments out. Right. So
0: well, we're coming on the twilight uh, the Saturday's episode of We Talk Radio. Uh, we got Coop segment coming up. Coop, I know you have one more question. Uh, Why don't you go ahead and shoot it? Doc, Doc, you got about three to four minutes to answer this one. But go ahead, Coop.
1: Okay, why La Aurora? What what led into the decision at La Aurora?
4: That's a great question. Uh, I love tradition. I love stable families. One Uh, of the oldest. Yeah, I love tradition. I love stable families. I have tremendous respect for people that know how to operate in a pre-industry level. Um, I'm a firm believer that anybody can go out there, buy tobacco and assemble cigars. Uh, I, th- I think the real craft, the real beauty of the cigar industry is what happens pre-industry, all the factors that take place from, from farming to curing to fermentation. I know this sounds so redundant, but uh, it's just beautiful. They don't use any tobacco that's less than four years aged. Also, they're not really known as a factory that produces for everybody. You know, there, there's factories out there that are pumping out 370, 80, 90 different brands and I think I think the blends really lose authenticity, and um, I have tremendous respect for the family, their history, for Manueli Noah, the way they operate, and I'll tell you something: they don't they operate at the speed of a turtle. Uh, they're not reactive at all, but I love that because I'm learning that to be in this business, it's it's about taking your time. And in order for me to build my company to where I need it to be, I need to work with people that I can learn from. And and there is no better professor out there for me than Laurora. La
0: well, a company with that kind of history, you'd have to believe that
1: that's that's a fact. Um yeah.
4: thank you for that question.
1: Well, no, Coopso's got a good one. Speaking they, they, of they 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 really make some they make they've made some of the best cigars ever, that factory. Wow. Have a lot of respect that, that, that wow. They do. I, mean, the one, I think they're they're probably
0: yeah, no, I, I agree
1: with they, you on that. They don't know how to
0: bring awareness to the consumer and about yeah. some of the great products yeah. they make. Yeah.
1: Manuel, well, no, is just a, that guy's a genius. I mean, and some of the yes. stuff he's put together... But shows are talking about a company that
0: the premium cigar industry probably is 0. 000 000 .0000001 or, of, their, yeah. <laughs> of their revenue stream. You know <laughs> I mean? It's, this is one of the oldest families in, 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 in you
4: the know, Dominican Republic. So. But that's a, that's a good point, and I will say this, that what I discovered... Abe, their premium cigar site is their baby, you know? It's it's like nothing, there's nothing, sh- there's no shortages in anything there. I walked into a room with tobacco wrapper, only tobacco wrapper, that just left me speechless. For, for me to build up those types of reserves, I would need three lifetimes.
0: I was going to say, you need generations.
4: Yeah, yeah you need Which generations, so. I'm really blessed i'm very fortunate that they were willing to work with me and i have to thank frank herrera for really putting that puzzle together um he felt my pain and he knew where i needed to be and uh i think the tobacco gods are looking out for us good stuff
0: we'll continue to wish you continued success
4: thank you so much thank you guys
0: that point in the show where it's time to see what is the scoop with coop Hey
3: yo, What's my theme
4: music?
0: The scoop with Coop, breaking industry news here at first on KMA Talk Radio and Cigar-Coop dot com.
1: All right, Coop. Yep. Run with it. All right. I know we talked about the NASA stuff, and I know we're short on time, so we'll, we'll kind of put that aside. Uh, one of the big stories that it actually came out yesterday. I, I want to say it's not a total surprise. We've been hearing uh Noise about this, but uh, Rick Rodriguez, uh, who is who was in the role of blender and ambassador for the CAO brand at General Cigar Company, it was announced that he is retiring from the company. So that uh, is effective the end of April. That's cigar yeah. industry code. <laughs> we okay. We call that cigar industry code. The cigar industry code, yes. <laughs> um. We know he's retiring from general. That's what we know. Right, and retiring from general.
0: That's about the best way you can say that. Yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, he, he was. I mean, he was with that brand a long time. He was with them for almost thirteen years. So that that's a long run in the history of the CAO brand. So, um, I think I think you can look. He's had some successes, and I think he's had, and he's very honest because I've interviewed him. He's had some misses, but uh, it was kind of a unique thing. I guess they picked him out of the sales field. And I know he was—he interviewed on both our shows and talked about this. He was picked by Edward Coleman out of the sales field to actually uh, kind of go into this blender role under the uh, under the tutelage of Benji Menendez. Um, and then he did some stuff around General and Laglorian. And then when CAO was formally like assimilated into the company, uh, and the Osgooders were out, uh, Rick Ricker was kind of given the reins of that. And he, he split his time between factory and uh, promoting events in the U.S. So a uh, good guy. I like Rick a lot. I uh, wish him the I'm best. Sure we haven't seen the last
2: of Rick Rodriguez.
1: I'm sure we haven't. Uh, he, and he, what an awesome interview he gave
2: here too. With, yeah. His he, story he did that awesome whole story.
1: Like I'd encourage folks to go listen uh, to the KMA. And we had him on as well where he tells that story. It's, it's a very, uh, very interesting story.
0: What else you got going on, Coop?
1: Uh, out of um, another thing coming out of General, but it was big news this week, uh, there's another cigar coming out of El Tito Bronze under the Cohiba line. Uh, they're bringing back the Cohiba Series M. Uh, this time it is in a—the uh, first release was in a Toro. This one's in a Corona Gorda, um, and uh, that should be hitting the shelves ne- uh, next month. Um, a lot of people like that cigar. There were some people who were indifferent on that cigar, but uh, it kind of was— uh, the guy behind who's the brand ambassador for Cohib is Sean Williams. He had a long-time relationship with uh, Sandy's Factory and Sandy, so I could see that happening as well. So that cigar should be hitting the shelves in April, and uh, it will uh, have a price point of $29.99. So it's, it is not a cheap cigar by any means, but it is produced in the U.S.
0: Cool. Anything
1: else? Um, and you know, the, I guess the last one I'll mention is uh, I think you guys covered this one already. But Medallia's Special Edition uh, has hit the shelves. Uh, it's a five x forty longest size um, that was um, made for McAuliffe Cigars um, to celebrate uh, Women, you know, Women and Women's Month or International Women's Day. So this is the second year they've done that. Uh, Medallia is probably one of their uh, core lines, I would say for sure. And uh, they release this five x forty cigar once a year. To coincide with uh, International uh, Women's Day. And that's because it's the namesake of someone by the name of Medalia Sanchez. Um, So I I know you guys covered it earlier this week. And uh, you had the McAuliffe team on. And I know they talked a bunch about that. So um, check that out as well. Awesome presentation,
2: by the way. It it was really cool to to see that panel. Yeah, I watched the whole thing. I loved it.
1: But McAuliffe, um, McAuliffe I, I like what they're doing. A lot of the things they're doing right now. I think uh, with, under Dan's leadership, that the company's really kind of uh, – they've kind of focused, and they kind of, I think, know where they're going right now. Um, and they kind of aren't afraid to think out of the box. So um, good job by those guys. Cool. Anything else, Coop? That's it. Surprised
0: you didn't hit the Cigar Fest story.
1: Oh, Me okay. Too. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know if you wanted to hit that, but yeah, we did hit that. Hell okay. yeah! I think it's. Yeah. I think it's. Yeah. I think it's great news for us
0: in the Great Smoke.
1: Hell yeah! Well, it's interesting. So Cigar Fest, in all in all respect to Abe, it was it was probably the largest cigar event. Uh, it, it was. It is. Yeah, I mean, it was. It Three, was okay. Three thousand people, two days. I mean, this was kind of one of the, it's an event up in Pennsylvania. I've never gone to it because it was I have. Two. Okay, and it's massive. Okay, it's a massive event, and. Um, it was an event that was a ticketed event, and people would actually stand outside the store for like overnight to get it. It would sell out in days. Yeah. And
0: people, hundreds of people, would go every year just to tailgate who did, couldn't even get a ticket to the event. Yeah. That became problematic. They stopped allowing tailgating and hanging out during the event. Yeah. But, yeah. I mean, it's it's it, you know, in developing the great smoke, I spent time going around the country going to a lot of cigar events. And that was definitely one of them that we looked at. But as far as we know, that is without a doubt the biggest.
1: You and, and what happened is they announced they're going to break the event up into regional events over a five week period. And each like uh, cigars international store will host one of those. Usually when I see like something like that happen, it usually means the event's like in trouble. Right. Because, like, whenever I see something going, like, from national to regional, I kind of think there may be. But I don't think this was the case. I think it was just the case where this was too big an event. And I actually, I don't know. I haven't talked to them yet on this. I actually wonder if COVID played a little bit into this right now where, you know, they've gotten shut down two years in a row. Like, so it's, it's an all-or-nothing deal. And now, with, by doing this regional, if there's something that happens going down the line, they can still get some of these events in. And it allows people who are local that don't have to get on a plane. They don't have to go get these tickets. So it does expand the national. So I think it was more that the event may have just gotten too big and they wanted to really bring this event out on a national basis. I don't
0: I don't think there was any real strategic reasoning in a positive fashion of why it was done. My main gut feeling is it was a venue issue. And when you have an event that, that could big, be
1: too. Yeah. Yeah. when you have an event
0: that big, you're not finding another place.
1: Yeah. And they you were know, at a resort um, the last couple of years, so like, you yeah, know, the Poconos, yeah, yeah. It's so has been there for a while, a great and a while. Point, and, Yeah,
0: and I just, I, I mean, that event was so massive, and I know what they got and how it was. And it wasn't that it wasn't a good profitable event with them. I'm pretty sure it's an extensively profitable event for them. Um, I think it was just got too big. I, I, my gut feeling would tell me they had uh, a venue problem, um, because you know when you start saying people can't tailgate anymore and you start doing stuff like that, you, you know it's getting a little too rowdy. Um, that's not coming from them. That's coming from the resort because, obviously, there will probably have been some issues, and it's just a lot of people. But um, we were surprised to hear it, and I think for us, it just opens the door for the Great Smoke now, hopefully becoming the mm-hmm. biggest cigar event in the country. All you Cigar Fest people, look up the Great Smoke. It's where you want to be next year. Yeah.
1: yeah. Abe, I'm just curious. Was it tailgating that goes on? And I never get there early enough. Is it tailgating that goes on at the Great Smoke at the fairgrounds?
0: We We've one. never had tailgating. This was the first time in 16 years. We had one. one. and It was one guy. So and, I'll and, funny. And, We've never had tailgating. It's never happened. And it was a phenomenon. that When I went to Cigar Fest, it was prolific. I've yeah. been hundreds of people. Um, and it wasn't a one-day tailgate. They tailgated the whole four or five days. Yeah. They didn't even have tickets to the event. That's how insane it was. Yeah. Um, so this year, while we were setting up, I looked down the parking lot. I see it. Couple folding out chairs, having a beer, having a cigar. But is this really like the first tailgater ever? Now, I've already been messaged by people who not only want to tailgate next year, the morning of, but are, are trying to coordinate like parties. So,
1: yeah.
0: tailgating that we, is going to, I strongly feel, is going to become very prolific at the Great Smoke now in the next couple of years. And I'll be, be you could say it started with Kojak, a smoking socialite, Douglas Cassier smoking socialite. He he actually was the first guy to ever tailgate at the Great Smoke.
1: I'll say this because we had a uh, well, Cigar Dave used to do the big event in Charlotte at uh, the Ballantyne Resort, and there was we we tailgated for that event for many years, and it, it's a lot of fun those morning tailgates and smokes and coffee and uh, multiple of those things happen, and as long as I guess the venue is fine with it, I think it's a it's a another extension that you could bring to this event that would really, uh, like I said, just capture people more, more attention to come to it. it it's oh, yeah. a lot of fun, yeah. Uh, to the do local it, chapter yeah. of a
0: national cigar group has already reached out to me and they want to coordinate something, so Tailgate the tailgate yeah. will be a a function of the Great Smoke 2023 Mardi Gras Madness, without That'll a doubt. Be cool.
1: I think it'll be really good. I think that's a, that's exciting. Yeah, I can't yeah. say we were
0: disappointed when we heard this news. We were actually, I was surprised, but... Uh, it,
1: it, yeah, um, it's gonna be interesting to see how companies are gonna be going crazy trying to support eight of these. So I don't, I think it's gonna be, you know, I don't think you'll have all the personality at all eight stores now. One wow. of the reasons
0: why we never do more than one great smoke, if people ask us all the time, I can't imagine going back to all these manufacturers. Hey, can we do this again in the fall? No. <laughs> no,
1: I I, 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 I think once a year is is enough, and it gives you, uh, you know, it would dilute. It, I think that's why I was kind of saying, you know, when I see something go regional. I normally say it's diluted. I don't think it's going to be the same uh, when they do this, so they're going to have a, a lot of work to do as far as that goes. Um, I mean, I think Drew Estate's done it well with the barn smokers yep. because they're different themes and they're different farms, and I get that, right? And a lot of people go to multiple barn smokers, but I think a CI thing is going to be a little more difficult to do that.
0: Yeah, I think logistics are yep. yep. going to make for the same kind yep. of event, but I think that's yep. what they were left to do, and yep. they didn't want to lose all that draw. Yep. So,
1: yeah. That being said
0: keep up with coop more with at cigar-coop.com check him out um we have two more segments to close our show uh Dr. Caffey don't go away you're you're one of the stars of our, our last segment oh, but now it's yep. time we've been waiting for a while it's tail of the tape season 4 <laughs>
3: All right, here we go. Tale of the Tape, season four, long delayed, but let's get it started. Coming in at number 10 for me is the Philadelphia Flyers, Gritty. Um, To be honest with you, if Gritty was around for like 10 more years, he might be my number one. Hard to describe. Gritty is like the drug-addicted abomination of an ugly mascot that like crawled out of the Philadelphia sewers. But um, he's become an internet sensation, um, a Twitter sensation. Philadelphia has grown to love him, and he's probably most recognized for streaking in the nude across uh, Philadelphia Flyers games. So he's brought a little bit of insanity back to mascots. Go ahead, Coop. Oh, unmute.
1: Rookie move, wrong delay. Long delay. It's all right. All right, yeah. Gritty, man. Philadelphia's got some iconic mascots, but Gritty has come to the top real quick. I mean, he is really taken off. I mean, he's very new. So, good pick by that. But I went with the Phoenix Suns Gorilla. And he's a pretty polarizing mascot, the Gorilla. Um, some people love him. Some people hate him. But I love the, like I said, it, it, he's known for these incredible dunks and, the, and incredible agility doing these dunks. And I, I just think, okay, he's not the most exciting or, or original mascot character. But it's how he performs that really, I think, entertains and does what a mascot needs to do. So I went with Phoenix Suns Gorilla as my number 10.
3: Yeah, the, the gorilla's a high flyer. He's, he's a high he flyer. I mean, he. So yeah, I think you know, basketball's trampoline. got some of the best mascots. Yeah, I think basketball yeah. mascots. You know, this so- is what's great about this season that, you know, I don't give a shit what any of you say. I mean, this is literally just a list of who we like. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, there, there's the, the prerequisite for what makes a great mascot is very subjective. Right, there's no s-
0: statistics you gotta keep up with and look or examine. <laughs> right. <laughs> my, my question is more towards the criteria. Now, are we sticking to professional sport mascots? No, no. Okay, we said so it any. could be college mascots
2: too. Yeah, right? we I said know. yeah, we said any. Yeah. Oh wow, I'll it could be even ahead. be independent leagues, right? Like if you if you go to like independent baseball or something, you could have somebody.
0: All right. Mascots. Well, the Mascot. tape episode number one, season four has been completed, and there you have their picks. We'll keep up, hopefully, until we find out who their number one is. Now, this is our newest segment. Traditionally, we close out every KMA episode with the cigar and cigar, but we have a new segment starting today, which Dr. Gabby Caffey will be the first person to do it. And it's called "Would You Rather." Special thanks to Juan Lopez of Gurkha Cigars for being our model for our intro segment and to my kids who did the voiceover for that. uh, Nice. Yes, that was my kids who did it. All right. You ready, doctor?
4: I'm ready, man. I mean, I don't even know what to expect. Go ahead. But I know it's it's from Juan. Go ahead.
0: I got three questions for you. They don't have to be deeply philosophical. All right. Give us your choices and why if you want. Ready? Would you rather be in jail for five years or in a coma for ten years?
4: Holy shit, I'll take jail for five. Ten years is a lot, considering the life expectancy when well, it's down with COVID. Ten years is instantaneously though, in a coma. Shit. You go to
0: bed, you wake up.
4: Listen, I I I know what a human body looks like two weeks after being in a coma, and it's there's rude. a doctor's answer.
0: <laughs> yeah, all right. <laughs> so all right. <laughs> Would you rather give up air conditioning and heating for the rest of your life? Or give up the internet for the rest of your life?
4: Oh my God, that's like saying that's like giving up Coca-Cola, air conditioning, or fuck the internet. I want <laughs> wow. air conditioning. Yeah, yeah. I with yeah, Doc yeah. on this one. <laughs> oh, well. I mean, Sorry. in South Florida,
1: Facebook. Give up Facebook, give up Facebook politics on the yeah. air conditioning? Yeah,
0: I'm not giving up AC and heat.
4: So. I'll write letters and, he, and send them to everyone.
0: Hey Paul, you know you have a graphic. <laughs> Paul, you know you have a graphic for this, right? Can you throw it up there? I want to uh, test it don't. out and see how it works. So, last uh, question, Doc. Are you ready? Yeah, yeah. Here you go. Would you rather be royalty one thousand years ago, or just an average person today?
4: Wow. You know what? I, I, it depends the country you live in, but I'd rather be an average person today. Yeah, they're royal- killing they're killing all the royalty. Yeah. Most ago. royalty get their heads chopped to off their tough.
0: lives like every other month.
1: <laughs> yeah.
4: Most royalty get their heads chopped off. I'd rather be an average person today because you have the potential to become royalty.
0: There you have it. And there's our first episode of Would You Rather? Good. I like that. Great questions, man. Yeah, that was good. Function. Fun segment. Fun segment. Yep. That, does that graphic not work, Paul? I was hoping to test it out this week.
2: I, I honestly have not received it. Yeah, I
0: don't see a graphic. It was, it was in. The, I put it. I told you, Alex, when you downloaded the video for the intro, it's in the Dropbox. There's a graphic in the same Dropbox. We'll test it later.
1: Hmm. But there's a graphic
0: in the same Dropbox. All right, next week it's gonna be a hot topic again. We got Risty Rystevski.
2: Ristevsky Ristevsky. Don't don't you go by his Facebook name.
0: So <laughs> we got him next week. Should be a very interesting show. We hope you uh, enjoyed. This very interesting KMA radio episode and great way to start your Saturday. But until next week, everyone, keep it lit. (laughs)